Ah, this is the Sports Booth Podcast, and I am your yo, host, yo. Booth, and I'm joined here with my co-host and best friend, CC Chris, the Apple Capple. What's up, man? How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Not not too bad. Uh, you know, I did something for the first time today. Uh, yeah. I went to the driving range. For any of you that know me, I'm not a golfer. Never have been. I'm a putt-putter, though. I'll catch anybody on the putt-putt course any day of the week. But golf, I was never interested in. Uh, but me and uh, Andy from the JV Report, who we had on last week, uh, Bengal sports writer, uh, he, he, we both went out there, and uh, he just showed me the ropes. And uh, I got to say, it, uh, felt, it felt pretty good. It was a lot of fun, you know, just uh, cranking the ball. Uh, seeing how that was going. So that was that was a fun new thing. Uh, but here you've had a little bit of a busy week over there. How are you doing all together, man? You know, I was going to say that when I saw you over the Zoom conference, that you did look like you had just been golfing. Really? Yes. Dude, that's that's great news, man. You've got the black you've got the black cap on with what looks like kind of a, a golfing logo. Is that an Ohio and then a T in the Ohio? So so this is actually, so shout out Metro Parks Toledo, where my wife Alyssa works. Isn't this an awesome logo? So, you know, we're spoiling all you fans that are listening, but you have to go on MetroParksToledo.com and check it out. But it's actually a giant M from Metro Parks with a leaf. I could not tell you which leaf it is, but it oak, oak leaf, I think. I, you guys got to get on the Toledo Metro Parks website and let me know what you think. But I believe in Oak Leaf. It's a pretty sweet logo. And it looks like a T. See, what I thought was it was like a golfing T. Like it was like the state of Ohio. Mm. And then like where Portsmouth is, is the beginning of it. And then it comes up and then like slowly comes out like where Columbus is to like a golf tee. And then, you know what I mean? I thought that's what it looked like. So I was like, wow, dude, it looks like he's been golfing. You've got like the – the nylon is it like a nylon shirt almost it, i mean i'm just saying it looks like you've been golfing so you have you know you might be new to golfing but you have the attire down pat i have to say that yeah um, well i think you'd better throw a pat on that design that you just made right now man because i think if this whole podcast doesn't work out which it will that uh, you might you might have something going there with the uh, golf designs uh <laughs> hey. so hold on to that for yeah, don't worry. I'm listening. Not, I'm not quitting my day job. Any of I certainly don't listening. plan on quitting my night job, which is this. So, if, if, uh, if, if, but no, yeah. So I have had. Let me tell you about my day. I've had the finest of breakfast cuisine, mm. um, pancakes extraordinaire from the Bob Evans, um, with some with a little bit of uh, scrambled eggs and bacon, um, mm. and and and. I didn't use the Bob Evans pancake, you know, syrup. I have my own specially made maple syrup that is delicious. So, so yeah, so there's that. And that has been like the highlight of my week is that good Bob Evans breakfast, you know? Wow. So he's, he's cranking out golf designs and has his own uh, maple syrup. Sorry, ladies. Uh, Mitch is taken though, so <laughs> I know I know he's checking off every all everybody's list right there. But I've got to ask you: Was the Bob Evans 
Uh, was that your dinner or was that your breakfast? Well, it was breakfast for dinner. So technically mm-hmm. it was kind of both, but it was also yeah. dinner. But oh, it was yep. also breakfast. It's like a paradoxical th- thing that's going on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, best meal that I've ever had was at Bob Evans. And I went in there and I ordered crepes and French toast. Try it out, man. A little bit of a carb fest for you. But, hey, it's good stuff. And uh, I call that breakfast, lunch, or dinner. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. I think sometimes breakfast makes like you can eat breakfast like any time of the day and it still tastes good. Yeah. Now I do know people that are like, no, I want breakfast at breakfast and I want lunch at lunch and dinner at dinner. I'm not that way, man. I'm not that way at all. Yeah. I mean, I used to sleep on breakfast for like, you know, throughout midway through college. So I, but I, I enjoy my breakfast now, but I'm with you. It can be eaten at any time. Some foods though. I'm not, I'm not trying to scrambled eggs in the evening, even for lunch, but bowl, you know, bowl of cereal, that's kind of my go-to snack, you know? Yes. Yeah. Bowl of cereal is good. I remember like the first time that you came and stayed over at my house uh, for camp and you were like, it was just me and you and maybe one other person, but you were like, it was just me and you at the end of the day, at the end of the sleepover or whatever. And you were like, Hey man, you got any bowls for cereal? And I brought out this like little skimpy bowl and you were like, dude, that's not a cereal bowl. Dude. <laughs> so I brought out like the half gallon mixing bowl. You're like, yeah, yes, bro. that is that's, a cereal. That's, that's what we're talking about. That's, yes. that's what we you need. You were munching, dude. You had like the whole bowl. I don't even know what it was, but. Can't make you hungry, man. Can't make yeah. you hungry. So yeah. uh, speaking of hungry, NFL schedules are out. Just a reminder yes. that the NFL does exist. And uh <laughs> And that we are getting there slowly but surely. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess the first impression that I have on the schedules is that uh, they're kind of division heavy in the beginning, which yeah. Um, I said last week that I think if the games are division heavy up front, the NFL would plan on – I think that would send a sign that, listen, we plan on playing football um, and starting on time. Um, so do you want to cover the Browns first? You want to cover the Bengals first? Uh, let's jump into our Brownies here. So, uh, you and I were discussing before, before, uh, this recording about the, uh, week one for the Browns opening at Baltimore, which, you know, I love that juicy matchup split them, uh, one-to-one last season against the Baltimore team that, uh, with the reigning MVP and had the best record in the NFL last year. The only thing that we don't see uh, making sense here is the one o'clock kickoff. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think that's kind of ridiculous, uh, one, because, you know, Baltimore is by far, well, I shouldn't say, well, by far, one of the favorite, one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I would agree um, with that. Probably, uh, if you look at the entire AFC, I think you would have to probably say that it's, Baltimore first, then Kansas City. Um, but you could have probably a you could probably have a, a discussion about that. Yeah. But also, this is a, we're talking about a rivalry game. Uh, mm-hmm. Second and third, we're not talking about the same Browns team from uh, a year ago. We're talking about a completely different Browns team with a completely different defense, um, with star caliber players like yep. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. Um, and that doesn't even mention the star caliber players on the Ravens side of the ball 
like Lamar Jackson, uh, Hollywood, um, uh, J.K. Dobbins now um, is yeah. over there, Mark Ingram. Uh, you have star players in this game, and it's a rivalry game, and it's arguably the best team in the league, and they're going to put it at 1 o'clock. I, I don't – I. here's the thing. I don't think it's a disservice to the Browns as much as it is the Ravens, but – it's also kind of a diss to the Browns to say, listen, we don't think you guys are we don't think you guys are that good to put you at prime time. So yeah. we're gonna stick you at one o'clock. And you know, and just I'd like to say too that we went one and one, but if you remember that first Browns Ravens game, we stomped them. Mm-hmm. The Browns stomped the Ravens. I remember watching that like tickled. They stomped yeah. them. And uh, and I th- and and I think you know it was a pretty, it was a decent game. I, I remember listening the second time. I remember listening to it on the on the radio as I drove back from Virginia. But um, yeah, it was pretty highly contested. And I think Baker threw a pick at the end. But yeah, I mean, uh, to be fair, uh, the Browns their their second matchup against the Ravens. It is a Monday night game, December fourteenth. But just overall disservice to the Browns. Remember last year with their four primetime games. Uh, this year they only have the two. Week two, Thursday night, uh, Battle of Ohio against the Bengals in Cleveland. And then that Monday night game against the Ravens, uh, also at home on December 14th. So uh, to be fair, yes, they, we do get that primetime matchup with Baltimore. Um, and maybe it's a logistics, uh, you know, a logistical um planning a little bit without having the back-to-back primetime games to open up the season but um but still yeah for all those reasons that you alluded to the star power um the success that Baltimore had last year but I just kind of look at the schedule as an as an overall uh uh like the national media viewing the Browns as yesterday's news um you know, because it's all one o'clock starts, and they have the, the they have the one four twenty five against Indianapolis. But other than the four twenty five game, the two primetime games, uh, it's all one o'clock starts. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I agree with you a little bit of uh, I view it as a little bit of just you know, putting the Browns to the side from a national media uh, perspective. So hopefully that fires these guys up. And um, I, I don't think they need much more reason to be fired up. Uh, but, you know, good news for everybody. If you didn't want to stay up late for a Browns game, you won't have to too often. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. guess that's the positive. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think this is a good thing for the Browns. I was listening to uh, CBD and um, Bo Bishop and David Zagura had a um, – they had Carl Joseph on, and he said a great line. He said, listen, he said, we're, you know, Cleveland, we're dogs. He said, but we're all bite and no bark. That's what he said. Mm. So there's no hype on that. There's no, you know, they're they're okay. I think they're okay with this. I think they're okay with the 1 p.m. games. I think they're okay with that. Um, they want to be slept on, I think. That's – yeah. that will motivate them. Yep. And then – uh, just looking at the schedule, can I see a, a true just balance against um, against their opponents here uh, in terms of strength of schedule? I mean, 
You start with Baltimore, but then you got Cincinnati, Washington, uh, two teams that are definitely uh, rebuilt, rebuilding right now. Um, even though I doubt Joe Burrow would tell you that, but two teams from our perspective that are rebuilding right now. And then you go to Dallas, which is a uh, NFC contender of, to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Indianapolis, who is a very solid team. And then you go to Pittsburgh, which is a very intriguing team. Uh, not sure exactly what we will get out of them. Uh, but then you've got Cincinnati again, the Raiders, your bye week. You've got Houston uh, and Philadelphia. So, um, you know, those could be interesting matchups, uh, specifically on Philadelphia's side. We'll see with Houston how they bounce back, how that whole chemistry uh, comes together there with their coach and team. Then you go at Jacksonville, rebuilding. At Tennessee, solid team. I'm not selling them. I know some people are. So, you know, some people view them as a contender. Solid team at, at the least. Then you got Baltimore at home, at the Giants, at the Jets. So the Browns being in New York for two weeks. Um, again, rebuilding. The Jets not quite there. And then you've got the Steelers. So I just see a true just balance in uh, strength of a, in a opponents in terms of, uh, you know, their strength of schedule and uh, the uh, talent that they'll be going up against? Well, I mean, we look at the schedule. Um, at Baltimore, it's too early to call, but I would probably say Baltimore wins that one. Um, so we got Cincinnati next. That's a dub. Washington, that's a dub. Yeah. Dallas, that's probably a loss. Yeah, I but I don't know. That. Their defense is really bad. Um so, I mean, it's not that their defense is bad. It's mediocre. And I feel like when they went out to get Amari, that it was – or not Amari, uh, when they went out to get C.D. Lamb, Lamb, they were kind of like, listen, our defense is – it's it's down, but we're still going to try and score 43 points on you every game. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, Dallas, that's a toss-up, but we can count that as a loss. That's two and two. Indianapolis, that's interesting. I think it's – it is interesting. You know, but uh, Pittsburgh, that should be a dub. Cincinnati should be a dub. Las Vegas, that should be a dub. End of the bye week. Houston, you would think would be a dub, but Deshaun Watson is really good. Yeah, but especially off the bye week also. I like that going going against Houston. Yeah, um, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I like the Eagles, but I also think that Carson Wentz his lower half is made of glass. Yeah. So it's, there's a really good chance that by November 22nd that um, he's hurt. So uh, Jacksonville, that's a dub. Tennessee, they came out and they came out and routed us last year, 30 to nothing. That is um, oh, worse than that. <laughs> oh, really? 30 to nothing. It was, what was it? 43, 14, 13. Oh, wow. Maybe we rough. beat the Ravens 30 to nothing. I think that's when you turned it off. Was that yeah, was at that point? So, um, so yeah, they routed us. So, you know, I could see us winning that game, coming down and winning that game. Uh, Ravens again, not sure, uh, but the Giants and the Jets should be dubs. You know, so yeah, yep. I think with this schedule, and you're not going out west coast at all. Yeah, um, that's, so that's interesting. Yeah, so I think that with this schedule uh, and the talent that the Browns have, they should at least make the playoffs. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't ever want to say that they – I don't I don't ever want to look at their schedule and say, yep, they're they're an 11-win team. 
You know what I mean? Because they are the Browns. So that's the thing. Um, and when you say that they're going to win a lot, they end up losing a lot. So, um, but you would think that they could at least pull nine wins out of their hat and get to the playoffs. So Yeah. Yep. Um, I would agree. And yeah, there seems to be, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to look up and see where these guys lie exactly and strike the schedule because, you know, there should, there, there looks to be a good amount of games that, um, that do look like they should be winnable. Um, and especially going against the NFC East, uh, which at one point we thought would be so strong. But again, with Philadelphia, you just see Carson Wentz get injured so much that really um, puts a nosedive on their season, it, it seems to be. Uh, I mean, I'll be, yeah, they won a Super Bowl. But just overall, though, they don't have Nick Foles there. Uh, and so, you know, it's tough to tell with them. Uh, but then going against Washington – Going against the Giants, you know, like what you said, two teams that appear to be appear to be rebuilding, and that you would expect um, th- that that Cleveland could win. So overall, I like their schedule. Honestly, I'm a I'm kind of a fan. Of the one o'clock kickoffs, like I said, gets me in bed uh, early on a, on a school night uh, when I'm teaching the next day. So, uh, but I I like the matchups too. You know, I, I like I like. Indianapolis at home. I, I like uh, going to Dallas. I like the Texans at home. You know, you look at these. You look at these uh, home games, and these tend to be more of the toss-up games between uh, Houston and Philadelphia and Baltimore and Pittsburgh, obviously, and and Indianapolis. So I I like how it's shaken out. So one surprise for me was the lack of primetime games, uh, but also. I, I'm a fan of the matchups that we have uh, coming uh, for this NFL season. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, I, guess I, I guess I look at, like, Phillip Rivers and the Colts, who have a, a pretty good team, and then the Browns. I mean, I would think that would be a good – at least a 4 o'clock game. Um, but, I mean, they're just, we're just downplayed. So, it yeah. is what it is, you know. Um, not much to discuss there. We know how good this team is, um, and we see the talent. And so all we can do is just say what we expect, and that is a, a, a playoff berth. Um, yeah. I think that's, that is what it is. Um, we kind of knew who they were going to play before, mm-hmm. uh, but this just kind of solidifies it now at this yeah. point. So, yeah. okay, you want to move on to the Bengals? Yeah, absolutely. So, All right, so the Bengals—they've got uh, week one. They've got a—they've got a tough draw week one. Well, not as tough as ours. Los Angeles Chargers at four oh five. That is a statement game for the Chargers, a, a team that came in last season with such high hopes. Uh, you know, that's like I've been saying—that's a solid, solid football team. So uh, Cincinnati better be ready that that week one because. I think the Chargers are going to be coming out ready to go and, um, you know, thirsting for, for a great season. Then you got a uh, week two at Cleveland. So they're at Cleveland. Um, that's a tough draw. Yeah. Then they go um, a little further east and they play Philadelphia. They're at Philadelphia. Um, they get Jacksonville at home. 
They go on the road week five uh, and play the Baltimore Ravens. They go on the road again and play the Indianapolis Colts. So that's let's see here two. That's four in the first six. They've got four home or four away games. Yeah, that's a lot of tough. away games in the first few games. Uh, so they definitely have a a tougher draw here. Um, then the Browns on week seven go to Cincinnati, um, which I, that's a little bit of an advantage for them, I would say, but not too much. <laughs> um, then they've got Tennessee at home. Then they've got a bye. Uh, then in week 10, they've got Pittsburgh. They're at Pittsburgh. Then they're at Washington. So they've got like a lot of like back-to-back away games. Mm-hmm. So it'll be like at Pittsburgh, at Washington. Then they're home. Then it's then they're home against New York, the Giants. Then they're away at Miami. Then they are home versus the Cowboys. Home versus Pittsburgh. Away at the Texans. And home versus the Ravens to close out the end of the year. Which honestly, I would I think I would rather play my away games in the beginning. And then when it matters, have more of them at home. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. But that, you know, that's a tough draw for a team starting a rookie quarterback to uh, have that many away games right off the bat, especially the back-to-backs like you mentioned. Uh, so, you know, over the just over the first half of the season, they have three uh, away series that are back-to-back. Uh, make, you know, making it pretty daunting, I would think, for, like I said, team star and a rookie quarterback. But what better uh, week to face Baltimore than at home than the last week of the season when there's a good chance that Baltimore might not be playing their key guys. So they have that going for them. Uh, <laughs> two uh, two primetime games. You've got Cleveland on that Thursday night, week two in Cleveland. And then on Monday, December 21st, uh, the Bengals have a – home Monday night game against Pittsburgh. So two primetime games for the Bengals. And uh, similar to the Browns, no West Coast trips. Yeah. So um, I don't know about the Ravens. I don't know about the Steelers. But I think that their schedules will probably look pretty similar to ours. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So since we didn't draw, uh, usually we draw – the NFC West, we did at least the past two years, I think we did. Um, this year we didn't. So, um, so yeah, that's, a, that's an advantage for us. And I always feel like it's a bigger advantage when you're the, the team that's out West and they're coming to you as yeah. opposed to you being out West and coming to the East. I feel like that's different, but um, but that's me because you got to get like your whole routine, your game day routine completely changes because, you know, whereas here they're like four hours behind us, aren't they? Three. Yep. Three hours behind us. So it's like your whole game day routine is changing. Um, and I feel like it would be easier to go ahead than it would to go backwards. Yep. If that makes sense. Because I I remember when I travel, like when I went – when I'd go to Colorado, we would get there, we would hop in the plane at 7, we would leave, and the plane would land, and it would be 7. So it's like you've got to have a few days to kind of adjust. Whereas, 
you know, you're going, I guess you're going more forward in time when you go uh, out east and you have that time to kind of get your, get your legs out of you. But that's me. So, yep. Yeah. So, um, but overall, yeah, a little daunting for the um, away games early on. Um, but, you know, you, you get your home, home field advantage against a tough team such as the Cowboys, uh, a tough team such as Tennessee, even the Chargers. Uh, so, so that's good for Cincinnati. Uh, and it's exciting for, um, to have the primetime game for the Battle of Ohio, even though you're in Cleveland. Something tells me Bengals fans will still be pretty present, uh, yeah. and especially Joe Burrow fans will probably be pretty present also. Yeah. Uh, so um, at least you get a rookie quarterback at home week one against the Chargers, 405 start, and um, and we'll see we'll see how that looks. But yeah, so that's that's the Bengals coming into the season. I did want to touch on a little bit of uh, NFL scheduling overall. We're starting sure. week one. Thursday night game on September 10th, the reigning Super Bowl champions are hosting the Houston Texans, which if you remember last time we saw those two play, uh, the Texans got out to a 24-0 advantage on the Chiefs in the divisional round of the playoffs, only to see the Chiefs uh, come back and advance on. But one thing I wanted to bring up with you is we discussed this a little bit with the Browns. It's going to be a division-heavy uh, start to the season. That's not just the Browns, it's the entire NFL. Week one, there are only three matchups in which uh, it is not divisional opponents against each other. So it has to make you wonder either if the NFL does not believe that there'll be any delay or postponement in the season, or if perhaps the NFL is just expecting to go either all or nothing. Either we play the season as it is, or if we're still struggling with things, if if the if society can't open up come uh, September 10th, then we just might have to scratch this whole thing. Um, or even I kind of look at it as a top-heavy divisional slate could mean if the season does get pushed back, then maybe you just start from the beginning, from the scheduled week one, Uh, and just play the first eight or however many games that you were scheduled to play. But either way, there's no, like, condensed all the divisional games weeks uh, one through six or uh, weeks 10 through 16. They're kind of top-heavy, but also just mixed up a little bit towards the bottom half of the season. And so I think this is just an indication that the NFL is planning to operate as normal, and they're not going to adjust their plans uh, for this virus. Well, do you see do you see any way that the NFL plays with fans this season? I do not. I I think you know that Thursday night, September tenth game, that's going to be in an empty stadium. I believe uh, for how long that continues, we'll see. Uh, but I think just the, you know just to a, a huge entity that the NFL is PR is a, uh, a major aspect of their business. And I think that they're going to send the right message by having an empty stadium just to preserve the safety of their fans. Yeah. The only way, the only scenario that I could see is if you're in a area that isn't hit as hard by the virus, say, um, say Green Bay, Wisconsin, for example, 
and uh, you go to Green Bay and uh, the governor of Wisconsin has given permission for those large gatherings. Um, I could see them playing with fans in that particular instance, but maybe not in LA or maybe not in New York if they cannot do that. So I think uh, one of the things that I saw Roger Goodell say was that he was going to be very active in participating with uh, the local and state legislature. So um, I would, I would kind of assume that that's what it would kind of look like. Whereas like if, if Green Bay can play with fans, then why would we punish Green Bay and not allow them to play with fans? But then what if you run that risk of the opposing team's fans are just out of town people that want to watch a live football game? What stops all these different demographics and people from different parts of the nation or world to come to Green Bay for that game? Um, So I see where you're saying, but I also wonder – and, you know, like you said, Goodell sent that memo out. You know, they're on top of it, then they're going to, you know, be on alert for any updates or changes that need to be made. But there's just a lot to factor uh, in that realm of possibilities when it comes to fans watching games or being in, being live at games. Yeah, I think that will be – I think only time will tell. Um, I mean – I'm, I kind of in the, am in the camp that I think that by the time September comes around that this will most likely have blown over. Mm-hmm. Um, other people are, are, are not – they do not feel that way. So um, I think we just – at this point, we just kind of have to sit and wait and see. Um, yep. Because I feel like from a PR standpoint, it's always best – to act in the interests of the best case scenario or the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario would be that we cannot play with fans. And so we have to put that out there that we're not going to play with fans. That way, when it comes September 13th and you can play with fans, you announce that and then everybody's like, Oh yes. And it's kind of like a surprise. Yeah. So I think they've kind of got to act like the best case scenario, like the worst case scenario is going to happen in order to make the best case scenario seem even better. That makes yep. sense. Yep, yep, that does. That does. So, so uh, and on, and on, definitely an ongoing um, discussion and just an aspect that we're not really entirely sure of. Now, if there aren't fans for that uh, week one Thursday night NFL season opener, I say let's move this up to five o'clock, fellas, and uh, get this going a little bit earlier for all of us uh, sitting at home. So we'll have to yeah. see how that shakes out. Some more intriguing matchups from week one. Um, you have Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to New Orleans. Um, you've got the Arizona Cardinals, as Mitch calls them, contenders. The contending Arizona Cardinals going to San Francisco. Uh, you've got, you know, you got Dallas. Can I stop the- you right there real quick? Listen, <laughs> I did not say that they were – I said that they were contenders – that could make they were contenders to make the playoffs okay you say contenders like they're like contenders to make to be like super bowl champions i'm not saying that. i don't know i don't know you sound pretty passionate about it man but okay <laughs> if, if that's if that's what you say uh but but yeah so then you've got the packers going to minnesota so some some good uh marquee matchups to start the season and how about this the miami dolphins going to foxborough 
going to New England. Uh, we'll see. I, it looks like Jared Stidham under center. Um, what most would have thought would be a juicy defense from the Feastons actually been getting stronger. So I think that week one between Miami and New England could be a statement game uh, that really directs each of their seasons uh, overall. So this is great just to see. NFL news, again, just to see a schedule, just to envision the matchups and uh, start planning uh, where, where you'll be and which games you've, you've really got to tag along to and, uh, and see. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm so relieved that when it came out, it was division heavy. Um, because, listen, even football, football is football, with fans or without fans. And, you know, I think that they have enough time now that they have an idea of probably what's going to happen. And they are working probably right now, if there are no fans, to find some way to make the broadcast more interesting and more intriguing because they're going to have to switch the way they do things. There's not going to be any, you know, close up on a fan after a commercial break where the fans going, you know, like that's something that's like classic football. So what are you going to fill that gap with? What are you going to, there's not going to be any background noise or stadium noise. What, what are you going to fill that with? You know? Um, So there's going to have to be, and if not, then I'm sure that you're going to hear a lot of cussing on the TV. So, (laughs) yep. Um, one, one other thing I did want to highlight is, you know, we know our Thursday night games have taken such a bad rap over the past of just uh, lackluster matchups, uh, not much excitement there. Uh, and I started to notice that turn in Thursday night games starting last season uh, where we saw some more of those premier matchups and uh, really intriguing games. And it looks like that's continued on into this upcoming season. Now, I mean, we, we have – from my, in my opinion, we have th- three games that are just kind of, as of right now, I'm not interested in, uh, with the Dolphins at Jaguars, Broncos at Jets, um, which that could be intriguing. We've been hearing about the Jets for a couple years now, and Denver just retooled on offense. Uh, but then with the um, – with the Chargers at, at Las Vegas, uh, which also Las Vegas in week two gets their home debut in Las Vegas on Monday Night Football. But other than that, I'm a big fan of these Thursday night matchups, starting with our Bengals uh, at, at Browns. We've got the Buccaneers going to Chicago. we got the Chiefs going to Buffalo. The Packers going to the 49ers, the NFC playoff uh, matchup there from last season. The Colts going to Tennessee, Cardinals to Seattle. And how about this, Dallas going to Baltimore. So I just see a lot of potential here with our Thursday wow. night games. And I'm happy to have seen them um, turn around that aspect and really, uh, you know, add on that one more night of exciting football each week. Yeah, you know what I feel like would really have made that matchup? Since I think that Baltimore is a little bit better than Dallas, I think it would have been really cool if it was Baltimore – going to Dallas instead of Dallas going to Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. that would be sweet to have Baltimore go because they, they are a little better, but you give, you give Dallas the home crowd to kind of yeah. even, even it up a little bit. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, if we got the red rifle under center for the Cowboys, 
play it at Baltimore, play it on Mars, doesn't matter, man. The Cowboys are taking that in the bag against <laughs> against the Ravens. So. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that, man. The 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 Red Rifle signs with um with the Cowboys. Unexpected, expected. What did what did you think about that? Definitely unexpected for me. You know, we we saw so much and it seemed to make so much sense uh for the Patriots to to pick him up or, um, or even just a team with, uh, for me, I thought Patriots are a team that had a, had a solid team around them, but maybe a younger quarterback or maybe a quarterback with uh, injury history. But when you look at Dallas, that they don't fit any of those criteria. So who knows if this is a leverage tool against Dak, which I don't see that either. And who knows if this is maybe just any Dalton returning home. Uh, he has a house in Dallas, um, and maybe this could be a one year for him to either just, you know, wait for a new quarterback market next offseason or even up his uh, pay grade by filling in for Dak Prescott that either gets injured or doesn't sign, and he has all the tools on offense. So like you said, average 43 a game, and maybe he's looking for that to, you know, that would be a bonus. Uh, on top of a weak quarterback market, but definitely surprising to me. What did you think about that? Yeah, I thought it was kind of – I see, I thought it was insurance in case Dak didn't sign um, and he didn't, you know, accept that franchise tag that Dallas was trying to put on him, which I think is goofy um, because I think Dak Prescott could really play football. Um, I, listen, now I said that, let me go back. Dak Prescott is not the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. Um, he's not even, like, top 50 probably. But he's a serviceable quarterback that wins games. And in this league, there's not a lot of that. Either you're really elite or you're just not good. And, you know, like Colin Cowherd used to say this all the time, quarterback comes at a premium. There's, like, 12 people in the world that are really good at it. And when you get somebody like Dak Prescott, who went out and had uh, maybe one of the best seasons last season for a quarterback, um, I think you have to sign him um, because quarterbacks are too. Right now, we have kind of like a weird thing going on in the NFL where it feels like there's more quarterbacks than there are seats. And, um, yeah. but I feel like it's because a lot of the, there's not a lot of those higher tier guys out there. And the guys that are on the free market, free agent market are guys that are like kind of on the lower tier QB, you know? Yep, absolutely. And uh, the more I reflected on the Andy Dalton side and the more I kind of saw where Jerry Jones came from. I mean, you think about when he had Tony Romo in as, uh, as his quarterback for the boys and, you know, you look at some of the veteran backups they put behind Tony, including a Brad Johnson and a John Kitna, guys that have had success in the league. And so the more I looked at, the more I kind of saw that similar pattern. And now you bring in Andy Dalton, another guy that's had success in the league uh, for your franchise's backup. And so um, very interesting, but who knows? Dak has yet to sign. And Maybe, yeah, just like what he says, is an insurance policy in case he just doesn't sign. Uh, and so very interesting. 
But um, who knows? Maybe it could just be any Don Wine that go back home also. Well, listen, I mean, you put – you got CeeDee Lamb on that team. You've got uh, Zeke Elliott on that team. You've got Michael Gallup on that team. You've got Amari Cooper on that team. You've got one of the best lines in football. You put somebody back there who's halfway decent at slinging the football, and and you're going to win some games. I don't know if you're going to win the Super Bowl, but you're going to win some games. Yep. You could damn near put Mitch Trubisky back there, and he'll win a few games. You know what I'm saying? So, yep. And I think Dalton is better than Trubisky. So, you know, I, I think that if that is who you – if you're signing him as an insurance policy, I think you sign probably the best quarterback on the market for that. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And we see, we just saw that from Jerry Jones in this draft. Do you need a wide receiver? No, but here's the best player available at the position. Go for it. So, uh, so yeah, we'll have to see how uh, all of that shakes out. But all in all, I'll say I'm, I'm a fan of Thursday night football and I'm confident in, uh, in the NFL's uh, quality of, of the games that they'll be showcasing us this season. For sure. Awesome. So uh, you want to talk a little bit about the NCAA? Um, I, I saw Colin Cal- – hat tip to Colin Cowherd on this. Uh, I was listening to him. Um, and he was talking about the SEC conference and how powerful the SEC conference is and how many viewers watch the SEC conference. And he says that he cannot see the SEC not playing football this year. Um, and if you look at the states, I was just talking about this before the show. Uh, we talked about Florida, which has a Republican governor. We talked about um, Arkansas, which has a conservative gover- governor. Um, Louisiana has a conservative governor. Um, Mississippi has a conservative governor. Georgia has a conservative governor. Um, we're talking about teams. We're talking about teams in very conservative states uh, that value money and. Um, who's to say that the governors would not let them compete. So I I just want to see, I want to get your feedback on, could the SEC kind of go out, leave the NCAA at least for a year and, and kind of do their own thing. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. So, I mean, this all stems from the fact that uh, these, these programs, these conferences don't have a single entity, a single uh, legislator, governing body overlooking them telling them that they can or cannot operate their seasons the only thing that's restricting them are athletic directors and the individual universities themselves such as we've seen over the past couple of weeks that multiple universities have uh just have been very clear that if we're not if we can't have classes online we're not going to be able to have a football game now again that's exactly what you said that varies from state to state and this is a difference between college and professional sports. Professional sports, they can halt every team. We, we move as a league, not as individual teams. That's not how the NCAA is set up. They don't have that uh, governing body to, to decide that. And so, yeah, if, this, if the SEC, if a lot of these states, like you just mentioned, are currently at the time of our re- recording uh, making – strong gains towards really opening things up in their home state. Um, We could see a very uh, bouncy college football situation where 
you know, some teams can't play because of the status of their state, but other teams are able to compete. And are, are you really going to turn down that revenue after you may have already lost so much from uh, refunds for uh, tuition? Are you really going to turn down that extra revenue when your university is having to make cuts or your budget is, is diminishing partly because of the lack of college sports right now. So it's, it'll be a really interesting discussion. And I kind of foresee a, um, no matter what happens, I kind of foresee a just messy situation where some schools are gonna have to decide what's better for them. Yeah, well, I'm just looking at the SEC. I mean, you have, I mean, you have a lot of teams in the SEC East that don't ever play the SEC West. And if you incorporate all the teams in the SEC and each team takes a turn playing each other and then the bet, and then at the end you have a playoff, I think that would be extremely profitable for, for the SEC and yep. for those schools. Um, because just right there, you could have a full schedule. If every team plays each other, then you take the winner, you know, you do a four team playoff with the best record playing the fourth best record and, you know, and you do it that way, you could kind of recreate your own college season entirely by yourself. Yeah. Um, uh, yep. And, uh, and even if you wanted to, uh, you know, say that, uh, say, for instance, Texas is doing okay and they open up. What's to say the SEC doesn't open up and say, hey, Texas, why don't you guys come and join? Or Ohio State, why don't you come and join? Or, you know, I mean, who's to say that that's, that wouldn't happen? Yep, and we've seen this discussion even uh, leak into our Midwestern states. Uh, James Franklin, Penn State's football coach, uh, came out this week discussing the, the same possibility, but for Midwestern teams and conferences of who's to, who's to stop you know, a team like Penn State that's in Pennsylvania, if say they're at a their state is at a in a position where they can move forward and they can play and they can play games, but they just can't play against uh, I don't know Wisconsin uh, because their state is not uh, in that position to do so. And so James Franklin came out saying that you know basically that. We're not gonna. It's not gonna be a fair system. We could see some true inequality uh, to nobody's fault of their own. I mean, hey, if your state is not safe to open up, do not open up. I think we're all in favor of that. Um, but just is it'll just be unequal in the in the aspect of this state's able to do things that this other state can't, and that could include football, which could include major revenue and getting your school or university or even your town back to the um, economic status that they're more accustomed to or that they want to be at. Yeah, well, listen, man, there's trade-offs in life to everything. If I want to drive to work, um, I hop in my car, I pay the gas, and there's also a chance that I could get in a car wreck and die on my way to work. That's just the way it is. Um, so there's an economic trade-off for me to go and work. There's a, there's a, probability that I could die, even though it's really small. Um, there's trade-offs to everything in life. And at this point, um, I'm not saying I'm, I don't want to be speculative of what's right and what's wrong. Don't get me wrong here. I'm just saying that there are a lot of people that are looking at the situation 
and saying, that's a lot of money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe the risk is worth it, you know? And if they do say that, um, I, you know, I, on one hand, I do see it. I do see that it's not fair for Penn State if they're able to play, but Rutgers and New York can't open. And um, so they're missing out on revenue while Penn State is gaining revenue. But at the same time, you cannot punish the whole country for L.A., New York, Chicago, Miami, those kinds of things. I mean, you're punishing, you know, Notre Dame for what's going on in in Rutgers, or you're punishing Penn State for what's going on in USC. And I, and I don't think that's fair. So um, I, I don't see – the, the equality in that either it's it's inequality on both sides um and i guess we're just gonna have to i guess we're just gonna have to walk through this i mean yeah. this is a this is a situation that's unparalleled i've never seen anything like this yeah 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 i i totally agree and that's what makes me uh that's what leads me to believe that it's just going to be a hassle it could be messy uh but like you said, that's that's a chunk of change that you're looking at there. And not even – this isn't even just discussing, like, having fans in a test. This, this is just TV deals and just viewership and advertising and all of those that go into a athletic program that you could be making some serious, serious cheddar off of. Yeah, I mean, and, and you also have to think, too, your athletic coach right now isn't – your your athletic trainer is probably not getting paid. Um, your your team doctor is probably not getting paid. I mean, he might be doing something else, but he might not be getting paid. What's to say that your athletic trainers and your team doctors are like, look, this isn't working. I've got to go. I can't sit around and wait all day. I've got to go somewhere else. And you lose those guys that that the stat that your your team trusts. You know. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I I've been there before. I've had somebody different. You know, we had trainer Nancy in Pickerington, man. Tra- I didn't want nobody wrapping my ankles except trainer Nancy. Now, sometimes somebody else would come and be in the trainer's room and they'd take me up and then my toes would start turning purple. You know what I mean? That's not, it's not trainer Nancy. That's the way it is. That could be the way it is with, with Ohio state or other football teams. I mean, they're not, they're probably not getting paid right now if they're not doing any work. So, I mean, yeah. we've, we've got to really, we've got to think about that too. I mean, there's a lot of repercussions that, that are going into this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I got to ask you a quick question. So when trainer Nancy was uh, taping your ankles up, was it similar to the, uh, to the ankle tape that you put on when we play basketball? Like when we one V one, because I, I noticed when we play, you tend to wrap your ankles up pretty thick there, man. Is that something you learned from uh, Nancy? <laughs> no, listen, here's the thing, bro. When you get old like me and you're a little heavier <laughs> up top, you know what I mean? It's a little easier to kind of roll the ankle a little bit, you know? I mean, okay, well, I was just – Not as limber as I used to be. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're not juking me or anything. You know, oh. we know that. But, <laughs> Absolutely. You know. But Absolutely. It, when, you're, when you're this big and you're moving that quick, you've got to wrap up the ankles, you know? Yeah. Easy to tear something. I gotcha. I gotcha. You're not supposed to be this big and move this fast. I gotcha. Heard, heard. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Perfect. Um, 
that's just an interesting thing to talk about, I think. So, um, absolutely, and it's, it's we have to have grown up conversation. We're grown ups. We have to have grown up conversations, and yeah, we might not like what the conclusions lead to. So, yeah. all right, man. In honor of um, no MBA, uh, I, I saw this challenge on Facebook. Um, let's both go down the list. Um, I believe the NBA basketball will be back this season. Um, we'll have to see. It'll probably be a shortened season. I think it would be in order to get all the teams on board. I think you'd have to do some sort of all playoff. It'd have mm. to be thirty-two team or thirty teams, one playoff, winner take all. I think that would get everybody. I think that would get all the owners in the NBA back on because then they would have a shot at winning the championship and and getting the TV and all of the the glory and everything. But right now, yeah. that's kind of off the table. I don't even know if Adam Silver is talking about that. So. Um, but that'll have to be a discussion for another for another show. Um, yep. Let's go through each. We'll go one by one, um, and we will discuss our top ten favorite basketball players um, that we have seen play in our lifetime. Okay. Yep. And so, to be clear, this is favorite. This is not who we deem the best players. Of this is that's how I took this. I, these are my favorites. For example, LeBron James yes. is not my top is not my top player here. Yeah, but these are just who I enjoyed watching. The well, LeBron most. is obviously the goat, right? Yes, you know what I mean? yes, yes. It <laughs> well, is your favorite. So we're doing favorite NBA player. Okay, um, your favorite players. So yes, Michael Jordan. Will you know all of that? Uh, you know, Magic, like, I can't put Magic Johnson on there. I never personally saw Magic Johnson yep, play. Yep. For those uh, of you wow. at home, we are we are 90s babies. So, we're, <laughs> we're coming at you with some, uh, with, with some names that you may or may not, but most likely will recognize. So, there you go. don't come at me with these 60s lineups, man. This is, right, this is exactly. what I know. This is exactly. my home turf. All right, man. So let's go. We'll start from ten, and then we'll work our way down. So you give ten, and then I'll give my ten. Does that okay. make like I'll you give your number ten, I'll give my number ten, and we'll go okay. back. Perfect. I like that. And I like that you give me the lead here because I'm just waiting for you to be like, oh, I forgot about him, or I can't believe that. This is gonna be some great discussion. All right. And I know we're getting started right here off the bat. My number ten is Damian Lillard. I love watching Damian Lillard. He is a walking bucket. He's got ice in his veins, and he's loyal to his team. He's about championships. He he can hit any shot in the arena. I love watching Damian Lillard. Yes, and he can spit fire. Yes, absolutely. He can spit bars, dude. I'm talking <laughs> – <laughs> Damian Lillard is straight from the dungeon of rap where <laughs> fake people don't make it back, dude. That is oh, for sure. So Dollar Dame, number 10. I agree with that. Actually, uh, we'll come back to it later, but I really agree with that. I love I love Damian Lillard. I know he's um, on your list. I know he's on yeah. your list. So top top 10 uh, for me, number 10 is, is Kobe Bryant. Um, because you know, like he's just iconic. I mean, yeah. You when when I was young, when I was in seventh grade, I was shooting the basket, the paper basket, you know, into the waste basket, saying Kobe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because everything he shot went in, and um, and his defensive prowess was incredible. Um, and he he's probably 
Um, the thing is, he's not a pure scorer, but he's probably the the best scorer I've seen. Um, MJ is MJ is close, but I, I think I would give Kobe the edge to MJ. Wow, we got LeBron goat and Kobe edging out MJ for pure score. I like this. Well, uh, I think here's the thing. I think that MJ is a better defender. Um, I think he's more athletic than Kobe for sure. But I think when it comes to just scoring a basketball, I think Kobe Bryant's better. Okay. Okay, great. Uh, so my number nine here, I'm going to go with the beard himself, James Harden. Uh, you know, I know it's a lot of dribble, dribble, shoot, dribble, 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 shoot. But the thing is he's making everything. He's sinking everything. Uh, I, I love I, – you'll see as my list goes on, I'm just a fan of just uh, beautiful shots of just pretty shots. And that's definitely uh, Harden here. Uh, he he's, he has he has the the dribbling. He even has the assists to go along with it. Uh, and he, he's a proven uh, winner, regular season winner, and he's had playoff success. But I'm a fan of James Harden again, similar to Damian, where he can just kind of hit it from anywhere inside the arena. Except it's a little more predictable with him, and he still hits it. And so James Harden is coming in for me at number nine. I like that pick. I like that pick a lot. Uh, number nine for me is a guy that just his drip alone um, probably warrants a, an all-time great discussion. Um, I'm talking about the man himself, the fashion icon. Not only is he a fashion icon, he's a stone-faced killer. Dude, he will look you in the eye, look his teammate in the eye, and take a rebound from them. Uh, Russell Westbrook. I was nice. trying to think of a nickname, but I, I couldn't find one. I thought you were about to say R Wilson. I know you've been mixing those guys up a little bit lately. <laughs> no, no. Russell, the thief, Westbrook. Dude. Oh, I like that. He will steal the ball, and he will dunk it in your face. He will steal the rebound from his own dang teammate. He wants that triple-double. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And always like – you know, like he just – he. he I don't know. He has the best interviews. I, I just think his swag, his drip, his look – um, his on-court prowess, physical dominance. I've got to go with Russell Westbrook at nine. Solid pick. You'll be hearing about him more later on from me. At number eight, I have the man, Dirk, or should I say, Duck Nowitzki, <laughs> the the German giant, uh, the 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 one that just makes you just. Uh, you can just feel the sweat just dripping all over his head. Uh, but just the fadeaways, um, just, again, the shot that I'm just a fan of just pretty shots, uh, being able to do all this at seven feet um, and really being able to help uh, expand the court for his teammates there just with the versatility uh, and just, you know, again, loyalty and just, uh, and was able to, you know, LeBron, D-Wade, and Bosch came in, said not one, not two, not three, not four, and came in year one, and Duck looked them straight in the eyes and said, hold my beer. And he just <laughs> took it to them yes. in the finals. Yes. And yeah. so I, I love him. So number eight for me is Nowitzki there. I love – the thing I loved about Dirk is that – when he would pull, he pulls his leg up in a way yep. 
that gives him some extra defense. And if you touch his leg, that's a foul. It's a foul every yeah. time. Yeah. And the way – like, that is just offensive genius. It's kind of like the hook shot, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. where it's, like, kind of impossible to defend. It's it's iconic. His, his yeah. one-legged jumper is iconic. Dude, that – yeah. No, I, I'd have to – Dirk is really good. Um, but number eight for me, um, I'm talking about – I'm talking about the man, Valentine's Day himself, Kevin Love. Kevin Love <laughs> is so nice. And I'm not talking about the Cavs Kevin Love, dude. I liked Cavs Kevin Love. I'm talking about old school, score 40 points on you and get 20 rebounds, Kevin Love. Nice. Yep. Um, yes, that is the Kevin Love that I'm talking about. Old school Kevin Love, uh, white guy, can shoot the three, can get the rebound. Um, he's not very good at defense. Actually, he's a liability defensively. But a guy like Kevin Love gave a, a white dude like me hope <laughs> that I could be good at basketball one day. Um, a hope that never truly panned out. But still, I have to go with with the zero himself, Kevin Love. Solid pick. Solid pick. So, again, uh, these next two picks, uh, I'm telling you, I like the pretty strokes. I, li- I like the beautiful shots, and I like the I like the clutch factor in here. And for number seven, I'm going to go with Jesus Shuttleworth himself, Ray Allen. We all remember <laughs> the shot against the Spurs in the finals, but he was doing that before then. Beautiful three-point shot, uh, and just really, you know, expand the court in that way. Uh, never put the light on himself, and was just so reliable. Always there, and you could count on him for for trays, nonstop trays every night, every game, uh, and a true champion. So I'm going to go with Ray Allen uh, at number seven. Oh yeah, Ray Allen, he's good. I like he, him. That's a good even pick. even when he first came out and just the versatility and some of the the donks and just the the takes, the the drives to the baskets, yeah. uh, just his finishing ability a lot that a lot of people don't recognize. I I love watching Ray Allen play. Yeah, it was a good. Yeah, that that is fun. Um, all right, number seven for me, um, man. I've got to go PG thirteen, dude. Mm. Listen, get off the show, man. It's just become PG-13. <laughs> Mr. Paul George himself, dude, he is um, – the thing I love about Paul George is his attitude. See, I like basketball. I like watching basketball. But what really does it for me is somebody's attitude on and off the court. And, um, man, Paul George, he's just a – he's a solid dude, but he's – I mean, he's going to take it to you, dude. He's going to take it to the rim. Um, he can shoot the three. He'll 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 put a move on you. Uh, he plays defense. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, come on, all around, all around. Yes, I think that when I think that when twenty thirty rolls around, Paul George will be on that all decade team for sure. Oh, okay, there we go. And I would like to put this out there. Uh, I have nothing against Paul George shoes. I actually own a pair myself. Uh, so Zion exploding out of them. I don't think that's against PG-13. I think that was just the fact of a 6'8", 285 man-child 
trying to stop on a dime in them. So PG-13 shoes, I'm a fan. Don't let, don't let Zion uh, stop you there with that. That's funny. That's funny because you have the P, you have the Paul Georges, and I have the I have the uh, Westbrook Jordan Why Nots. Oh, so we got to link the, up soon. We got. I know that's what soon. I'm saying, dude. We we could have been playing basketball. <laughs> you wearing the PGs, me wearing the 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 Brooks. You know what I mean? And yeah, hey, watch off. out, watch out, world. <laughs> uh, so coming at number six, you know, is a guy that's crushed a lot of our Cavs. Uh, fans hearts multiple times, but I can't deny the greatness and the don't shine. you say it. And that is Steph Curry. Now, oh, you want okay. to talk about you want to talk about who'd you think I was going? I thought you were gonna go Durant. No, I he was not on my list. No, not he's a list. snake, dude. Not on my list at all. Absolute snake. Uh, but Steph Curry, just you want to talk about just true fandom and watching a game. Just knowing that he can pull up from any second, and that I am more so surprised when he misses the fifty-foot jumper. I am surprised when he misses the half-court heave. You know, I'm. I expect those to go in just, just off of his, um, just, just off of what he's done, and just his release. And I think, I think it's like two or three tenths of a second, and he just has the ball out. It's it's amazing what he's done. You want to talk about all you no know, all time entertainer and just in the ability to hit from any spot in the gym. I've got to go Steph Curry uh, at number six for me. Dude, I gotta go a little. Maybe it's not old school, but I've got to go a little old school here uh, with with number six, dude. This is this guy has some of the best dimes I have ever seen in basketball. His IQ is off the charts. He also has some really funny on-court antics. Like when he try, like when somebody on the opposing team makes a free throw, he tries to go up and give him handshakes. I'm talking about Mr. Long Arms, Ray John Rondo, dude. He oh, is so he nice. is. His I thought handle, about him. Dude, his handles are like off the yes. charts, and he's got dimes. He'll put a layup on you. I mean, I don't yeah. know. That's just something about him I just really liked. I enjoyed watching. Yeah, he was he, he was really he was up there for me. He was definitely an honorable mention. Uh elite elite handles, elite dimes, uh, and a true, true point guard. Yes. Yes, he could he can I mean he could hit the mid-range. He's not as strong from three. Uh, but he he could finish in a layup, and and you better watch out because, I mean, if a guy's open, he sees them. I mean, it's just yep. like that court vision. It's like he's got a pair of eyes in the back of his head. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it goes off. Absolutely, uh, can, former Kentucky Wildcat too. Um, and so now we're in our top five, uh, and I'm I'm going to go a little more old school on the top half, but not quite yet. At number five, I have both of our guys. Why not Russell Westbrook? Uh, again, for the things that you said, and I just, I just love, I, I love high motor guys. I love effort. I love just, he's just the ultimate energizer bunny. He just is just jumping everywhere, rebounds, assists, points. Uh, he's all out. He'll drive on anybody. He'll slam on anybody. 
Uh, and so number five for me is the triple-double uh, king himself, Russell Westbrook. Uh, just, you know, more so just off of just just the just controlled craziness that he plays the game with. All right, number five for me. Uh, this goes back to Cleveland um, where it was – uh, it was game seven, mm. and and this guy hits a clutch three ball. Um, I've got to go Kyrie Irving. Um, I do not – I think he's kind of a punk, I'm not going to lie, um, off the field or off the court, but he is – he's quick. And sometimes, like, when you see him do his layups, he's, like, practice them so much that he puts this spin on him and like for the average person where it bounces, it's not going to go in, but he can do all these like crazy spins on the ball and it'll go in. And like, I mean, he talks about watching tape of his finishes and knowing that he's just like centimeters off of where he wants to put the ball. And I mean, just that he could see that on the tape and just shows how great of an offensive mind he is. Um, And also, he was like the only thing I had when I was a Cavs fan. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you remember those years where it yeah. was, you know, I do JJ Hickson, uh, yeah. Hick, you know, the, the crew, the, what was it? 26 game losing streak. I, I remember those. Yep. <laughs> Dion waiters and all that stuff. Yeah. I remember yep. all of that. And, um, he was like the only thing I had, you know, so Kyrie became yep. my favorite player for a little bit. And uh, that that dude can score, man. He can really score. So, number five, Kyrie Irving. Absolutely. Kyrie did not make my list. Uh, But for number four, I have, again, similar guys, a little higher up for me, Kobe Bryant. uh, Rest in peace to Kobe. But just, you know, what you're saying, all-around score, uh, again, just like the effort that he played the game with. The just the drive, the the energy, just like this the speed and quickness, and yeah, just being able, you know, there are very few guys that have the green light all game, and he was that was him, uh, the champion in him. Um, no matter what is going on around him, no matter who's on the team, who's not on the team, being able to just win ships, no matter what, uh, the torn Achilles. You know, there's so much you can say about Kobe, obviously. So I have him on number four for me as favorite players to watch. All right, number four. Listen, I'm the kind of guy that when I watch wrestling, I like the bad guy. Um, I like the guy that um, – and, and some of, the, some of the, the best heels don't even mean to be heels because everybody just hates them in general, um, just anything they do. It's like that with The Miz. It's like that with – Chris Jericho, it's like that with a lot of guys that, that it's just something about them just makes you want to punch them in the head. And for me, that guy is James Harden. Uh, and that's okay. why he's my number four. Um, because James Harden makes people so infuriated because of how good he is. And listen, you can say what you want about how he flops or how he – uh, manipulates his way into getting calls. Hey, listen, don't hate the player. Hate the game, dude. That's the game. You know what I'm saying? Don't touch – if you 
I'm telling you, dude, if you don't want – you've got to play better defense. you got to be – you got to be able to outwit him, you know? And, like, that's what I like about James Harden because he's crafty, he's smart, and not only is he those two things, like, usually you only get – you're only, like, really good at sports and you're, you lack on the crafty side or you're really good on the crafty side and you lack at, you know, some of the athleticism. Like Al Horford, for example, really yep. crafty veteran – kind of lacks on the physical side, um, isn't as, as much of a physical specimen as somebody say Shaq, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like with James Harden, you have both of those combined. Yeah, he's I like that. crafty, he's smart, he's, he can be the villain, and he's so good at it. Um, I would have to say, I would have to say, and listen, um, James Harden has a jersey hanging in a Houston strip club signed <laughs> i'm not that's, condoning that or non-condoning that i'm just saying um that's iconic iconic not yeah not very many people can say that yeah it's baller it's kind of baller i'm not gonna lie so that's my number four james harden nice uh my number three i'm gonna go with the man himself uh king james uh just you know tr- ability to just be able to just do it all take over a game just just his uh his ability just like physically just completely out muscle his opponents and we've seen it so many times as a Cavs fan just to just carry teams I mean yeah you're having to carry a team but just the fact that he can year in and year out and I love how he's expanded his shooting now he's knocked down threes um just just the, just the man that can just I, I just love being able to turn on a game with LeBron James and being able to, you know, it doesn't matter what the score is. In fact, I want to see his team go down because I just love watching him just take the game and control it and, uh, and make his own outcome. So number three for me is LeBron James. All right, number three for me. Give me one second here. Number three for me. All right, I've got to make a, uh, a disclaimer here. I really – I think this guy is one of the best um, pure scorers that I've ever seen. Um, in turn, like Jordan, Jordan is a well-rounded uh, do-it-all guy. Um, Kobe, Kobe was a, a well-rounded do-it-all guy. Um, and – that that's why they're the goat. That's why they're in that goat conversation. Uh, but this guy is one of the best and most pure offensive skill sets that I've ever seen in a game of basketball, and that is Carmelo Anthony. My number three is Carmelo Anthony. Uh, one, um, man, that dude can rebound. If you ever watch uh, the men's Olympics basketball games, nobody is out rebounding Carmelo Anthony. He's working hard. Uh, to get those rebounds. I love that. I love a guy that's willing to get in the nitty-gritty fight and, and, and pick up the dub, pick up the ball. Also, how many people do you know, Chris, that can score like Carmelo Anthony? Buckets. The dude can shoot threes. The dude can score from the mid-range. He's tall. He's got swag. The women love him. And his name's Carmelo. And his name's That's a Carmelo. Dope name, dude. Come on, man. 
Carmelo Anthony for sure, number three. Absolutely, and I and I think you know the Knicks would have preferred to get that Olympic version a couple of times, but there's no denying the greatness and the scoring ability with Melo. So my number two, uh, some of you may have slept on him, but my top two picks I'm gonna go with. You'll see the the trend in dimes and buckets, and that starts off with number two, my guy Steve Nash. Assists, assists, shots. He's running around. You talk. You want to talk about energy? He's going behind the back, between the legs. He's doing it all. He's hitting like ninety-five percent from the free throw line. He's he's winning ball games. Uh, I gotta go, with Steve Nash, the floor general, true point guard. He's going to get you the ball. He's going to create uh, spaces for his teammates. Uh, and kind of like we were talking about Toronto, just the just the all around, just passing abilities that just puts them on a whole nother level. I've got to go Steve Nash for number two. Yeah, but that's such a good pick because listen, we would have no Steph Curry if it weren't for Steve Nash. True, absolutely. His skill set, Steph Curry's skill set, would be totally like it would be like okay, he shoots threes, great, you know. Mm-hmm. But but Steve Nash completely transformed the game with with finesse. You know, that that's a good pick. I I yeah, that's a good pick. I dude. thought you would like that one. Yeah, Steve Nash. He Where are we at two? He balled. He balled. Yep, number two. All right, listen. Shout out to my boy from Oakland. Shout out to my boy that can rap. <laughs> Shout out to my boy that brings bars, heat. He leaves the mic on an IV. Not only that, dude, he shoots. From three, he kills everything that he does. Every time he shoots, it's buckets. Oh. That was a little off, but so what? I'm (laughs) going off the dome right now. I've I've got to give a shout-out to my boy, my second favorite all-time player, Dollar 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 Dame, Dame Lillard. Yes. Honorable mention. Honorable mention, this person did not make my top 10, but honorable mention, shout out to D. Rose. Yep. Pre-injury. Yes. Do you remember that game in 2015, Chris, where he shoots, where, 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 where it's the playoffs versus the Cavs? Yeah. And he, he shoots the ball with three seconds left, and the ball hangs in the air for three seconds, and it ends up being a buzzer beater. Yep, D D Rose. Yeah, that's D Rose. He brought and, it. Yes, and listen, go look up the highlight when you're done from this. Go look up the highlight and look at his face the next time the camera angle like is on him. Okay. His his face is stone cold killer, dude. He knew he was gonna make that shot, and everybody else is freaking out. And he's like, "Look, I do this. This is who I am." This is what I do. I make miracles happen. Goes yeah. off, dude. I've got to go with, you know, that's my honorable mention. Do you have an honorable mention? Uh, I would say Rondo was there. A couple of guys that you already mentioned, uh, and Kyrie was there as an honorable mention. Uh, but I'm just happy that we got in this discussion, we got the shot in Kyrie. We got the block in LeBron, which I feel is coming up again here soon. 
and we got the stop in K Love. So I'm just loving that we got all three of them on there. Um, but but yeah, those those are my main. Uh, on the way up for me right now is Trey Young. I really love watching okay. Trey Young play. Um, I really enjoy Luca. I feel like the NBA is in some really good hands right now. Uh, but I I did almost throw on there Mr. Fundamentals himself, Tim Duncan, as That's a not- fan as a fan of uh, of layups, of finishing, of uh, of hitting the open shot, which he did time in and time out. So those those were uh, those are my honorable mentions that I had in mind. But All right, number one, our last spot, number one. You asked me, I've got the answer for you, Allen <laughs> Iverson. <laughs> he is the man. That was, that was my guy growing up. Uh, just with the swagger, I have his uh, the bottom half red, top uh, half white Phila jersey. Yeah. Uh, hanging up right now but just his ability you know just with the dimes but just the scoring uh and just really transcending the league uh you want to talk about what steve nash did for steph curry, curry uh what did ai do for just everybody for for just the culture of the nba uh for just shooter sleeves for the sake of shooting sleeves you know, but just for his skill set on the court, you know, just his drip, dude. Just just yamming it on anybody, yes. crossing anybody, and all these with uh Sixers teams that um I don't even know besides Chris Chris Weber, Iguodala at the beginning of his career, who did they have? And so I've gotta go Allen Iverson, the answer at number one, my all-time favorite. Um, and this is all time. This isn't just this answer for me is all time. My all time favorite NBA player to watch is Allen Iverson. And it had, hey, hey man, hat tip to uh, my boy White Iverson himself, Post Malone. <laughs> yeah. Um, since you said that, um, no, that's a very good pick. I thought about putting him in there, but um, you know, I really didn't get into the NBA until like '06. So I feel like I kind of missed a lot of Iverson's and really good years. And that's what really got me – like, Kevin got, got me in the NBA. I got a training card with Iverson. I'm like, who is this dude all swagged out like this, getting buckets? I want to watch this guy and just be able to just watch an absolute legend. Uh, so that's my guy, Allen Iverson. Who you uh, who you finishing off here with, Mitch? Listen – I bought my first. I bought my first issue of Sports Illustrated for kids yeah. uh, when I was like in '06, uh, and I saved my money. Um, I saved my money from mowing my granny's lawn. Okay. And I bought myself an issue of Sports Illustrated, and in that came a poster of okay. my boy, the goat. LBJ, LeBron James. Let's go. Hey, from from the OH, dude, Ohio State Buckeye fan, from Akron, Canton, not even two hours away from me, my guy, LeBron, brought a championship to Cleveland. And not only did he bring one to Cleveland, 
but he did it against a 73-win team. Yeah. We're talking about my guy, the GOAT, the best player of all time. Top in assist, like one of the best in assists. More score, more points than more points than MJ. Lasted longer than MJ. LeBron James. There you go. There you go. And you cannot go wrong with that. Like I said, man, just his ability just take over and completely dictate the outcome of a game. Offensively and defensively. Just it's it's a treat to be able to watch him currently do what he's doing right now and just to be able to expand his game you want to talk about basketball iq just be able to expand his game year in and year out and just uh to train his body to be able to play 82 like he did two years ago um so and for last year to for him to have that hamstring injury which was which is just, you know, that's another day for a lot of these guys. You know, we're used to a lot of these guys, but LeBron James being the peak athlete that he is and that hamstring being such a such ma- major news and surprise to us. Yeah, LeBron James, bona fide number one, no dispute about it. I, I feel that. I feel that right now, man. So that's good stuff. That's good that stuff. That is good stuff. Dude, we had a lot in common there. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I felt like my one kind of, you know, outlier answer was Ray Allen, just because you usually don't see that. But like I said, that just good just, pick. Just, just the fact, just like the efficiency that yeah. this it's a guy that you he's going like it was Steph. I'm surprised if he misses type yeah. of guy. So yeah. All right, man. Final segment of the day. Um, listen, not a lot's going on in sports right now. Um, so give me a who's fried. Just shout out anybody that you feel like is so fried. Okay. So my who's fried is uh, news from the NFL came out that they are doing away with the uh, pass interference review. Uh, this comes breaking news uh, from uh, the JV report. Andy Geierman himself, uh, and uh, we kind of disagreed on this. Uh, I I am calling uh, who is fried as everybody that was in support of the past interference review. You are fried. The, 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 the overturn rate on that was so low. People can judge with their eyeballs. It was not necessary. I'm happy that NFL got rid of it. So good job, NFL. You're fried. If you think they're fried for doing away with it. I agree. I think that's – I think that the uh, pass interference rule, the overturn, uh, I think it was a bad call. Um, the NFL is already kind of slow in terms of uh, of challenges. Now you get to challenge a penalty, which really comes down to what the ref thinks is a penalty. Um, and I think that that's crazy. And there's pass interference on every play from both sides. So, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. There's a penalty on every play. And listen, here's the thing, dude. If a pass interference costs you the game, it wasn't the pass interference that cost you the game. It was probably something else. Yeah, yeah. You know, like maybe score some more points, put some points on the bar board. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not. 
you can never – if you're blaming a penalty for a loss, then you're not looking at your team. You're looking at the circumstance. You're just finding a different way to put the blame on somebody else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, it wasn't, my, it wasn't my team's fault. We had the ball three times and punted three times, but, uh, but he called the penalty. Yeah. I at least get a field goal out there. You know what I'm saying? Control where you can control. And I love the aspect of that part of the game where, and this is, this can be a topic for another day, but refereeing officials, that comes with human error. That's what makes it a sport. That's what goes into the elements of surprise. Sometimes works out for your team. Sometimes it doesn't. And so sometimes these guys make mistakes because they're human. All right. But I think completely unnecessary slows it down. And to me, in my opinion, was just kind of cheap way of drawing a penalty. Cause like I said, there's pass interference in every play, but enough with me, Mitch, who is fried this week for you? Oh man. This week, who is fried? Um, that's tough, dude. I would have to say Bo Bishop is fried. Um, Mr. Bishop on CBD, I was listening to Cleveland Browns daily, and he said that if he could pick any um, any nationality to eat their food uh, for the rest of his life, that he would pick Mexican food. Um, Mr. Bishop, do you know how much heartburn that's going to give you? Um, <laughs> listen, do yourself a favor and – and like pick like Italian or something. It's not as, but I guess he said he doesn't like, he doesn't like, um, he doesn't like pasta. So what? yeah, that that's what fried. he said. That and that, <laughs> yeah, that is also why he's fried. So I would have to say Bo Bishop, man, um, Mexican is good. It's good every once in a while, but if you eat it like four or five days in a row, I was in college once. Um, and I've done that before at Taco Bell. Listen, it's not good, bro. It's not good. Let alone you're doing this for your entire life. Yeah, yeah, I I get that. Uh, one thing we will have to discuss sometimes is the correlation between Mexican food and Taco Bell, but we'll leave that uh, for 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 another day. All right, All right man. Everybody. Hey guys, hey, it was great. Um, great show today. Great show today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love fun lot, as man. always. And and we found out that in terms of our favorite basketball players, we got a few in common. Yeah, so, absolutely. You guys, tune in next week. Sorry we didn't get the episode out on um, Wednesday, but um, you'll have one out on Friday. So Yeah, enjoy. Um, Thanks for the support, and uh, have a good one, guys.